0: But this morning, I wanna, I wanna preach for a little bit here. Out of Psalms 139, I want you to turn there with me, Psalms 139. And I'm going to preach this morning on a thought called the inner testimony. The inner testimony. And I'm not going to read the whole 139th Psalm. And you know, it's not as long as the 119th Psalm. There's only 24 verses in the 139th Psalm, but it's a beautiful Psalm. And, and uh, I've I, I preached here many times in different Uh, parts and portion of this passage but in the 139th Psalm verses 23 and 24 I want to pray over the Word of God before we uh, read it this morning if you would just bow your heads in prayer with me and pray for God to minister this morning Father I just thank you for this opportunity to come and to glorify you and to honor you and to praise you and to glorify you and worship you and Lord as we come to enter into the presence of God. I just pray, Lord, and we come to enter into breaking open the bread of life this morning and preaching the word. I pray that you will help me this morning. God, that you will absolutely possess me with your spirit and you will flow through me, Lord, to this congregation. And Lord, that this word will go forth and you will speak what you desire to say. You placed it upon my heart for a reason, you placed it in my spirit for a purpose and a reason. And God, I pray that it will have free course, Lord, because all Ultimately, Lord, we want to see people exercised unto godliness to grow in faith, grow in grace, Lord, and grow in their walk in the Lord. And that means, Lord, in a pure and holy and righteous life, help me today, God, to minister this word. Let it, Lord, begin to sink down deep, and God will give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name we ask your blessing. Amen and amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. So, Psalms 139 verse 23 and 24 is my text. And David just simply said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in in the way everlasting. Now I'm preaching on a thought entitled The Inner Testimony. The Inner Testimony. Because we all have an outer testimony. Or we should have an external testimony. It's what people see. People can see that you've went from a place of darkness into a place of light. Into a place of death. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but God delivered you and set you free. And they see the change in your life. They see that you've become a new creature in Christ. If somebody can't tell that you've been born again, you Need to get born again, Amen. But I can tell you, whenever you get born again, the drug addict becomes somebody that's free, that's not bound by the addiction anymore. Are you hearing me? Are you with me today? The alcoholic is set free from that addiction and that bondage. Are you hearing me? The abuser, the one that has has been in a life of sin and perversion and bound by vile, you know, things that are that are an abomination unto God, is set free from that, and they're changed. And you see a difference The adulterer, the homosexual, the pervert All of that begins to be changed And you become a new creature in Christ Jesus That's what happens when you get born again Praise the Lord And we have an external testimony People see the difference in our life Do people see the difference in your life? We hope and we pray There should be a testimony An external testimony But what about the depth of our hearts? heart that only God sees and this is the most surely an end time message you know people it seems like they want to hear an end time message you're getting one you can know everything about prophecy but if you're not right what good does that do you you got people that, that don't even really surrender. Their, they do not surrender their life to God. They're not sold out to God. But they can tell you everything about end time prophecy. They can tell you, you know the river Euphrates is dried up. And I said, okay, big woo. I know that that's important concerning end time things. But what about you? What has that done to your life? Has it made you grow closer to God? Because you know we're living in end times. Or is it just knowledge? Knowledge puffs up, love edifies. But the knowledge of the truth will take you to a place of a deeper walk with God and a deeper place. And what matters, listen, this is an end time message. What matters is the depths of our heart that God sees. And what does he see? Because before Jesus ever raptures his church, and I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, he turns the examination spotlight on every church. If you read the book of Revelation in chapter 2 and 3, he begins to shine that light upon the church of Ephesus, and he says, you've left your first love. He turns the light on Pergamos, and he says, you have the doctrine of Balaam. Yes, he commended many of the churches, but he also dealt with the things that were wrong. So an end-time message deals with the things in the matter of the heart that are deep that he would have to deal with Ephesus that you've left your first love which was one of the greatest churches of their time but he said to Thyatira there's a spirit of Jezebel in that church he said in Sardis you're a dying church he said to Laodicea you're a lukewarm church And as we read these scriptures and we see this, we know that the end end time message, God is always pointing His light and shining His light upon His church to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Did not, when Isaiah began to come into the presence of God... He said I see all of this I see you know uh, uh, when I saw the Lord he was high and lifted up in Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 and his train filled the temple he said I saw the seraphim's and the cherubim's and I saw them shouting holy 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 is the Lord he's a thrice holy god he's the father the son and the holy spirit he's a triune god but we're reading this and then he says you know woe is me I'm a man of unclean lips And God began to deal with him when Peter began to see Jesus begin to cause the multitude of fishes come. He saw a notable miracle and he saw the Almighty God and he came running and he bowed down and he said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. What am I saying to you? The closer we get to God, the more we're going to come and say, Lord, examine this heart or we're at least going to be smitten. Now in Psalms 139, it's a praise psalm. Oh yeah. You ought to read this psalm. It's an awesome psalm. It speaks of the omniscience of God. The all, know- all knowing, all knowledge of God. And David even says that. No matter where I'm at, you're there. You know, you go before me. You know, You go behind me. You know everything about me. There's not a knowledge about my life that you don't know. What a mighty and an awesome and a powerful God that He knows, who knows, 10 billion, 12 billion, 15 billion people, 20 billion people that have existed from the beginning of time. Well, pastor, there's more than that. Well, then that makes God even that much greater that He would know everything about every part of His creation. So David says He's the omniscient God. He's the all-knowing God. He's the omnipresent God. No matter where I'm at, He's there. If I'm in hell, He's there. When when I'm talking about hell, I'm talking about the darkest places of your life. When I'm in heaven, He's there. (laughs) He's the omnipresent and omniscient God. He's the omnipotent God, the all-powerful. Almighty God. And David speaks of how God knows everything about him. How God is always with him. And he praises God for his existence. He says, by very existence, God, you fearfully and wonderfully made me. He said, I'm so blown away by all of these things. The knowledge of it is too much for me. How he was fearfully and wonderfully made. How God's thoughts of David and us are precious and innumerable. He is just recounting all of God's almighty power, authority, and knowledge, and providence. What is providence? It's the overshadowing presence and provision of all things in our life. God's overshadowing presence. Can you imagine? Last night I drove by. After I was down here at the church practicing With, the, worship, with the, the musicians We were down here practicing I left, you know, and I got a little hungry So I went through El Pollo Loco I can't just eat anything anymore I do, but I pay Well, I'm not going to pay So I said, I'll just get me some Chicken and rice Something along that line Make me feel good Because anything else, I start getting pain and then Sister Scouse looks at me and says, you shouldn't have had that. I said, I know. So I'm grateful that God gives us those disciplines and boundaries. And He helps us. He said, I'll heal you. I've already healed you. But you need to obey me. He People say, i got sugar diabetes, but I'm going to believe God. I'm going to eat all the sugar I want. I'm going to tell you right now. God created this body, and it speaks to you. It'll talk to you. It'll tell you, hey, put the Twinkie down, pal. You've had enough. Amen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But I pulled out of El Poyo Loco. And there was a terrible car accident. Police everywhere, ambulances, emergency responders, the, the fire departments there. And I drove by and saw this little bitty miniature truck that was there, an old school Toyota pickup truck, and crumpled up like a tin can. And I thought, Lord, that that ambulance pulled out. And I said, They're not going to St. Jude. They're going to the they're going down there to Irvine. They're going to the trauma center. I've been there two times. I know about that place. You know when you're going that direction, I should say that direction, you know you're headed down there to the hospital because it's a serious thing that's happened to you. But I thought, Lord, how many times that you've kept us from a head-on collision. How many times you spared us, amen. Every time you get in the car, you ought to say, God, cover me in the precious blood of Jesus. Cover me and protect me, amen. I've asked you, God, to cover me, to keep me. And He will, amen, He will. But He's a God who is an overshadowing presence and provision whatever you have need of he's going to take care of it isn't God so good but how God's thoughts of David and us are precious and innumerable and the providence the overshadowing presence even if Jonah gets out of the will of God God had a fish ready to swallow him up and bring him back to the place where he was supposed to be in Nineveh I've called you to preach in Nineveh and your rebellion may have tried to take you somewhere else but that fish is ready to swallow you up and to transfer and teach you a lesson along the way there's been people that were incarcerated and mamas and dads wept and cried and I stood back folding my arms thinking God that's the best thing that could have ever happened to them because if they don't learn a lesson in there they're never going to learn a lesson But God, it's a dark place. But I've seen many people come out and they said, I learned my lesson. Amen. I've got out of that mess. Aren't you thankful today for the provision for God, of God, even when it hurts? Even when it's painful. Even when it's dark. There's confidence and peace and security in this psalm. David quotes that. He knows that. There's a confidence and peace and security and assurance when you know a man that you've been fearfully and wonderfully made, that God is everywhere around you. He's providing for you. He is everywhere with His great power and His great presence and His great knowledge for you. And for me, think about it. And what we know about God brings worship. And David did worship and praise the Lord. But notice, at the end of the psalm, David goes into, or should we say, grows into. The things we go through are the things we grow through. There used to be a song that said, here I grow again. I said, Lord, here I grow again. Standing here in my mistakes, you've showed me once again just how much you love me. Here I grow. If we're a Christian this morning and we love God and we've been born again, we should want to grow. We shouldn't look at God's, you know, chastening as, and, and say, I'm a victim. No, you're a child of God. You're a son or a daughter in Christ Jesus. And if He can't chasten us through times in our life to bring us where God wants us to be, then we're not children. Church, hear what this preacher is saying. You can praise and worship God and knowing things about God, knowing the magnitude of everything about God, His omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence, His all existence, His all power and authority. We worship God, but as God begins to deal down deep within us, I want you to notice at the end of the psalm, David goes into, or should we say, grows into a deeper experience in his relationship to God. The experience is that of deeper examination Because he says search me Oh God I know you know everything about me But I've come to a different place Where I'm opening myself up And I'm asking you to search me Search me And that is the place of humble access to the searcher Let me say that again That was a wow factor Amen When you give God humble access to the searcher He's the searcher. The Word of God is the searcher. The Spirit of God will deal with you and convict you and lead you into all paths of truth. But the Word of God will begin to talk to you and probe you. It's a powerful than a sh- and sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes deep. You know, we go through the Bible sometimes and we only highlight the things that appeal to what we want. But mark it all up, Church. You can, there's no such thing as cafeteria Christianity I know people have that But they go through the line And they go oh yeah I want this And I want this But I don't want that I got a little nephew and, and, and he eats chicken nuggets and fries That's it And I said youngster I won't mention his name But I said youngster So why don't you pull up this table And eat some of these Brussels sprouts They're delicious And them green beans I can tell you They'll make your tongue slap your brain to death. They're so good. Some people go, yeah, amen. You don't like it. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm from the country we grew up on vegetables I was showing Francis I said see half that yard I said half that yard just about there at the back was our garden I go we worked that garden and we planted things and I said my mom canned vegetables we had pickles we had beans we had tomatoes we had everything you can imagine that we could can we had we had potatoes out there in our garage we had a big old trough with potatoes out there that's what we ate off of My parents had jobs, and we had other food in our house. But we ate vegetables, and I love vegetables. Amen. Even you folks that don't like vegetables, you can can doctor them up. You can make them taste real good. You add bacon to anything, it'll make anything taste good. Bacon and butter. Folks, I want to tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen. Beloved of the Lord The root of the righteous Is allowing God to examine you Allowing Him to go deeper The testimony that you have Between you and God The one that nobody else knows Because there's an area of your life That only you and God know I heard a preacher yesterday He said the only person that really knows That you and God Are the only ones that know If you're really a hypocrite or not I thought Lord Lord People may observe you, they don't know your heart, they don't know things about you, they can look upon you and judge incorrectly. they can judge sometimes right, right and, and what they're saying or what they feel may be right, but we're not supposed to do that. but you, amen, you and God are the only ones that know down deep inside who you are and what you are. This is the root of the righteous to allow an exploratory prayer search. Of God and to invite and allow the scrutiny and the search of God. There's only one reason you won't allow access to your home, to your phone, to your car, or to your heart. Somebody grabs your phone, let me let you grab that back real quick. What are you, what, what, hey, what are you hiding? You ever seen somebody you grab their phone and they're like, ah. I'm like, I ain't going to get into your bank account. I'm just looking to see what time it was. But your responses has caused me to step back. Do you know when you meet people and they walk outside the door and they meet you outside their house? Hey, how you doing? You're like, I don't want me in. Well, maybe dirty inside. That's all right. Well, it's not all right, but it's all right. I'll stand outside. They don't want you inside. There's a reason why Adam and Eve hid behind the tree. We were hiding because we were afraid. We knew things about us that, you know, he said, who told you that? I can tell you something right now. We need to allow God to search our hearts, to search our lives. David's prayer was, Lord, I'm open for the search. I'm open for the search. And David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Search me, oh God, is the voice of confident love to the person that you're allowing us search. You hearing me? When you absolutely know that God loves you unconditionally and you believe that, because there's people that say that but they don't believe it. People that say in their heart, you know what? I just, I, just don't, I just don't think that God can forgive me. I just, or I believe God forgives me, but I don't forgive myself. I want to tell you something today. I heard a woman, and she began to speak, and she said the Lord had a coming to Jesus meeting with me. And he said, you either have to believe me, that I love you and I forgive you, or you're saying that I'm a liar. She said, when God had that conversation with me, I knew. I can't call him a liar. I have to not only accept and embrace his forgiveness and his love, that it's greater than all of my sin and all of the things that I've done, and I have to open up my heart and say, God, not only am I willing to accept the forgiveness in faith that you forgive me, but I have to forgive myself. You can't live underneath the cloud of condemnation. Are you hearing me? Letting God come in and saying, Lord, I love you, come in. I've got a confidence in your love for me. I'm not worried about what you're going to find. Search me. Try me. There's some people that are afraid to say, I've even heard people say, oh, I don't pray that kind of prayer. I said, why not? Because I know my loving Savior will lovingly tell me the, the truth about my sin, about my flesh, about myself, about my character, not to condemn you, but to clean it up and to make you a greater specimen of His love and His grace and his, you know, his purity and His righteousness. Church, listen to me. We're getting ready to see Jesus come back to this earth. We're getting ready to see the coming of the Lord. We're living in the last days. And now is a time to He that has His hope purifies Himself. I know that He's the purifier. I know He's a sanctifier. But you and I have to be part of that equation and cooperate with God and say, Come in. Search me, O God. Know my heart. I'm not going to cover up my heart and not let you in. There's people that won't come to the altar for that very reason. They will not get in the altar because they're afraid of what will happen. Well, Let me tell you something. You're keeping yourself from Freedom. And deliverance. That's the only way you're going to be free and delivered. Is whenever you surrender everything unto God. Amen. And you choose to go on and torment and go on and all of that when God wants to set you free. He loves you. He loves you so much. And you and I have to know today that He's a loving Savior who will lovingly tell us everything and be gracious and merciful to us. As we're honest before him. So our cry, like David's, after we have come to saving faith, should be, search me. Search me. After a whole psalm of everything that's awesome about God, he says, you know what? In the presence of this awesome God, all I can do is say, woe is me, God. I'm a man of unclean lips. I know Isaiah said that, but David was saying, search me. Take me into a deeper holiness in my life and character that I would have clean hands and a pure heart. A pure heart is the heart that sees God. That's what Jesus said. So search me. Dig deep. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts, I pray. Your purposes. What are my thoughts? My purposes. My desires. My designs. My intentions. My affections. My loves. What do you love? If you can be, look, and there's going to be people that are going to say, oh, he's legalistic. No, I'm not. Faithfulness is not legalism. Faithfulness is not legalism. Faithfulness is something that God has called us to. Faith is faithful. So all it, all it takes is one little thing to keep you out of the house of God. And you'll say, I'll go do this instead of going to church. If you're sick, I mean, I understand everybody deserves a vacation. But, you know, if, if every once a month or every couple of months uh, or twice a month or so you're somewhere else and you just come to the house of God when it's convenient and it fits within your schedule, you're unfaithful. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Be in the house of God be there. That's something that was etched in my heart when God saved me. He picked me up out of a miry pit and he set my feet on a solid foundation and he put a desire down deep in my heart. I don't want to be anywhere else but in the house of God. I make sure I pattern and I, I methodically plan and, uh, and, and schedule my vacations and my time away so I can be in the house of God. Even when I'm out of town and I, it's out of my control I make sure that I go to the house of God Sunday is a time whenever I go to worship God that's not legalism that's love for God Amen. And this morning God is speaking to us. And he's talking to us. What are my thoughts? What are the things that I love? What are my ambitions? What are my drives? Look, there's nothing wrong with having ambitions. There's nothing wrong with getting up every day and saying I'm going to do something with my life. But God is at the center of that equation. He may call you to be a dentist. He may call you to be a doctor. He may call you to be in law enforcement. Or he may call you to be a school teacher. He may call you to something else but you've got to know those are all incidentals of my Christian life and my experience that is the most important thing that is why I get up every day to go into this world to share with somebody that I love God and I serve God and there's no other life to have or live nothing wrong with ambitions as long as ambitions don't override the purpose and plan and destiny of God in your life. Hallelujah. The rich young ruler went to Jesus and Jesus revealed the depth of his heart. He said, you, I'm telling you, you, there's a lot of things that you've said that are very true. But it's that one thing, that idol in your heart. He said, go sell everything you got. The Bible says he walked away sorrowfully. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving that up. What your intentions are, what your affections are, what your desires are, The heart is the workshop. The thoughts are the product. And I want to say something I believe all have to deal with. That is our skewed view of God. Our incorrect view of God. That He is just and a judge. Or that He is just, let me just say this, that He is just a judge or an investigator that he stands in heaven or sits in heaven with a gavel in his hand ready to pop me on the head. Do you realize that God is a God of grace and mercy? And there is a reaping. I preached it a few weeks ago. There's a reaping to what we've sown. There's a reaping. I was, I was watching this man who really didn't even come to Christ an atheist still, but the life that he lived as a drug addict and, and and thrust himself into being a sex addict and involving himself with all kinds of vile relations for years, ending up with... STDs and anxiety and depression and all these things that because he, he opened himself up to this kind of a life. Now he's got HIV. But yet I think, Lord, didn't anybody tell him about Jesus? I don't know if he rejected it. But I can tell you if I was in that kind of shape, I'd say, you know what? It has to be better on the other side. It has to be better than this the darkness that people live in, but they choose that. And there is, a, there is a judgment in a sense or a reaping to what we've sown to in our life. It comes. But God is not standing in heaven waiting to destroy you. And people have this skewed view That He's just a judge and an investigator and authority that gathers where He hasn't strawed or reaped where He hasn't sown. And people get angry at God because of what they are put through at times. Even Christian people. Why did God allow this? I went through things in 2023 this year where I even, in my own self, I said, God, why am I going through this? And the Lord said, you've been serving me for a long time. I'm surprised that you would ask me such a question. I said, Lord, I know better than that. Forgive me, I got in my flesh for a minute. And I forgot that you're a sovereign God and you're my Lord and you're my Savior. And, and, and I know that this has happened to me and I'm going through this and I'm experiencing this. And I shouldn't ask why, I should just ask the Lord, what do I do? What should I do? Lay upon my heart, search me, O God. And I've come to this place where I've said, God, you know, I know it's all in the will of God. I know it's all in your plan. Everything that I'm going through is is your plan. It's not because I didn't have faith. It's not because I necessarily did anything wrong. But Lord, you're always one to come back and check and see. And you put us through things where, and I've even prayed myself, Lord, search me, oh God, and know my heart. We pray prayers we forget. And then God begins to answer them. And then what happens is we wonder, God, why am I going through this? He said, that was your heart's cry. Remember that moment when you were so broken, when you were surrendered, when you were humbled, and you were crying out to me, God, I want to be closer to you. God, change my heart. God, take me deeper. And he said, this is my response. And here you are. See, you didn't know that jealousy was in you. You didn't know that anger was in you. You didn't know that dependence upon something was in you. You didn't know you were leaning on the arm of the flesh and not on the everlasting arm. You didn't know you were leaning on that job until it got kicked out from underneath you. You didn't know you were leaning upon your ability to make things happen until you didn't have it anymore. Come on now. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. People have a skewed idea and, and, and definition or idea of God. But this is where you grow and you mature. This is where God sanctifies you and matures you. And your greatest growth comes from. Remember Israel's deliverance from Pharaoh. The wicked way was a slave master in their grief and their trouble and their oppression, they cried out to God and He responded. But hold on just a second before you just focus on the fact that they were delivered from Egyptian bondage. God delivered them. Initially, He delivered them, and it was through the blood of the Lamb. And it all points to Christ. And He saved them and delivered them. But then they came into cross that Red Sea, which was a type of baptism, and they come into that new life in Christ. In a sense into that wilderness and guess what every day is an adventure with the Lord it's a wilderness where you're fighting Canaanites and Parasites and Hivites and Jebusites and all the other ites Amen sometimes I felt like in the past that I was fighting family ites I won't put my name there I won't offend anybody but you put your family there and you go, oh, and I, I don't know anybody that their last name is Smith, and I hope nobody's sitting here today your last name is Smith, but if it is, but you say, uh, you know, I, I'm fighting the Smithites. Come on. I'm battling these inhabitants. in my my experience in God in this wilderness. And what happened was the whole time, they're murmuring and they're complaining, and God is dealing with that. See, we get saved, and I think we we are automatically delivered and set free. We're saved. We're under the blood. But church, it's a whole lifetime experience of God pulling out Egypt out of us. That's why we always got to say, Search me, oh God. Search me. Because them Israelites were murmuring, complaining every turn. They're murmuring and complaining. And that's what sin does. God delivered them, but the wilderness revealed the wicked nature in Egypt that was in them. They murmured, they complained, they wanted to go back. Moses at one point said, God, you delivered them. You did all this great things for them in deliverance. And now they're ready to stone me. They're ready to stone me. He went up on that mountain and he's up there and he meets with God and he comes down. It wasn't very long and they're down there dancing around a golden calf. And Aaron, of all people, was the one that allowed it to go on and didn't stop it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We always champion. Caleb's words, give me this mountain. That's a great thing to preach. And I don't diminish that. But what about Joshua's? When he said, do you all want to go over there and you want to worship the idols of this land? That's on you. If you can't see what everything that God has already done all this these many years, he said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're living in a day and a time where you're seeing a lot of things happen in the world and even in the church world. You're seeing a lot of people buy into things and open themselves up to things. But I'm going to tell you right now, trust me on this. I've been serving God for 33, almost 34 years. I've been there and done that and forgot most of it. And I'm grateful today for the, for the old ancient landmarks that have been in my life that have kept me in the right way. Amen. I don't throw to the side the ancient pathways. I'm not saying that, I don't, that I, I'm not open to something that God may be doing that is fresh and new but I'm going to tell you right now if it doesn't line up to the word of God I'm sorry I'm not going to buy into it but here I am right now church and I stand upon his word and as for me and my house in this generation we're going to serve the Lord as for me and my house we're going to open up ourselves and say search me oh God I'm not just going to have a testimony of give me this mountain but I'm going to have a testimony from Joshua the only other one that came out of Egypt that went into the promise stand and say as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord I'm open to you God I'm open to you to search me I'm open to you there's preachers that won't let somebody come in and just preach the truth because they don't want their people to feel bad when they leave I've heard of preachers that went in there and they just split the middle aisle they dealt with things and the host pastor got up and said, All right, everybody on their feet. We don't want you to leave here sad. I'm going to tell you, some people need to be wounded before they can ever have any kind of healing poured into them. You've got to be, know that you're a sinner before you can know that you need a Savior. You've got to be lost before you can be found you got to know today I've been saved from something. What have you been saved from? I've got salvation from something. From a life of sin. From what I used to be. I don't add Jesus to what I am. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm supposed to be a man of righteousness and holiness and purity. And it's still in vogue in the Bible. It's still in vogue in heaven. It's still the message that God is calling us to preach. And it's something that you and I have to be open to say, God... Here I am. Search me. Know my heart. Know my thoughts. Try me see if there be any wicked way in me I just want to say to you today that the greatest place of victory is whenever you decide I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to live for Christ are you hearing me I'm going to die to myself I'm going to die to those things that old nature that self I'm not going to buy into the church generation that says you know you're the victim or or you know only the things that you know champion you being a warrior let me tell you something the greatest champion is the one that died on the cross. We are to dwell in him. We are to be in him. He is our victory. You and I are only champions because he's a champion. And you got to be careful because you'll hear that David's spirit needs to come out in you. No, Jesus needs to come out in you. It's not Elijah. It's not, It's not uh, you know, Paul or Timothy or, or David or Daniel. It's Jesus. 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 Because all of those men were flawed just like we are. But thank God, the heart of somebody that has a heart for God says, Lord, search me. I open myself up to you. And Joshua said, as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. It's not just the testimony and the proclamation of what God has promised me of a blessing, but the person that I'm supposed to be. That was a heart of obedience because he had been naked before God. God has to be allowed access by our willing desire or corruption remains. You know... Pestilence, breeds in unventilated, unlighted, uncleaned spaces. I was watching not too long ago how that when they discovered the mummies in the pyramids. And this was back, I don't know if it was the late 1800s or early 1900s, but it was a long time ago. But they had pictures of these archaeologists that went in. And they opened up those graves and, 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 and they, they began to see people that were part of their team and part of their, their uh, you know, archaeological group that was, that was part of that team begin to die. And they were saying, it's the curse of King Tut. Well, they found out that trapped in that little capsule with no air getting to it, was a grave that was encased with no ventilation, no airflow, nothing. And all the people began to go in there and maybe perhaps they didn't know about viruses and pestilence and pathogens and all these other things that we know about now. They didn't have little masks to wear over their face. And they went in there and they're just moving the dust and the dirt and they're dropping like flies. They said, Well, what's the curse of King Tut? Well, let me tell you, there's a curse of sin. Are you hearing me? But if we don't, you know, protect ourselves, uh, you know, by saying, Lord, search me, make sure there's nothing here that would bring corruption, if we don't come through the blood of protection and we don't come through the spirit that would give us discernment and to know right and wrong and good and evil, if we don't come under the protection where God separates us from the things of this world, you will find that you will you will you will die, amen. Die a spiritual death if you're not careful. And reading this, I thought, you know, it's the truth. It's the truth. One little old dinky parasite can destroy you. At Pastor Carlos's church in Mazatlan several years ago, there was a woman that got a disease called encephalitis. And what it was was a worm or a bug or a parasite uh, through something that she ate, whether it was watermelon or whether it was a, a strawberry or something or something of pork, something she ate down there. And it went up to her brain. It was killing her. had to deal with that parasite. That's those little things that we don't allow God to deal with. It's a corruption that has to be given access so God can clean it out. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little things. God's dealing with. And David said, he said, Lord, forgive me of the thoughts that I don't even realize that are wrong and sinful. Forgive me of my, my, you know, the sins I don't even realize that I'm, I'm doing, you know, deliver me. And, and, and folks, I'm not saying that God will not give us grace and forgiveness and mercy. He does. What I'm telling you is that the The man of God in Psalms says, at the end of this beautiful psalm, this only brings me to this one place. I'm speaking for David. Search me. Because my heart is to be closer to you. And if I want to be closer to you, the things that are keeping me from being where I want to be and need to be have to be removed. Are you hearing me? I close with two thoughts. It's useless to ask for God to search our hearts and remain locked to God. You'll have people that will say, I won't go to a church if a preacher doesn't just preach me under conviction. I said, well, that conviction did not bring you to an altar. So you say things with your mouth that your heart doesn't agree with. God, help us. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was when I went into that church and Pastor Duke Downs, he preached that word and he filleted me. If I had been anywhere else, God would not have done what he had to do. Oh, and it made me mad. It made me angry. I had a myriad of emotions. I was like, Lord, but I've been hurt. And he said, I know that. But you can't hold on to that. You'll walk around your whole life and your whole testimony will be, I've been hurt. I've been hurt. Praise God. (laughs) Whoo, glory to God. I said, come on now. Walking around deformed. Walking around deformed. And the people that you attract are only people. (laughs) I'm living in victory. And that preacher, he preached to me. And for a year, God had to go deep. I thought every week it's surgery. Lay on that altar and say, oh God. Then I start talking, you know. I talk to myself on the way to work. Don't laugh, you've done it too. You're just, you know, you're driving and you're just pleading your case and you're saying all these things and... I thought, you know, I'm the prosecuting and defending attorney. (laughs) I go to church that Sunday morning and he said, everything's got to be on that altar. That sacrifice was on that altar and he said it was cut up. And I thought, oh. He said, why does it have to be cut up so that tongue will lay off that altar? I thought, oh Lord, here we go. Get in that altar. And a whole year... Of God dealing with me, dying to self, and Brother Clinton came in and poured gas on it. <laughs> die to self, die to self. I thought, oh Lord, but it made me a man who desired to be holy, and everything that come across my path, the Lord says, "Would I act like that? Would I respond like that?" Everything, every feeling, every thought, every intent, everything. And now the devil, he'll still come and try to bring imagination. But you know what I'm like to say? My first rodeo, pal, let me tell you, you can bring that thought, but I'm not going to feel that way towards that person. Oh, I've allowed thoughts. But after about a day, God said, how long are you going to let that go on? You're going to let that devil begin to drop that thought in your mind or your flesh Amen, but this is the way I feel, God. He said, I know that's the way you feel, but it ain't right. Because every offense I took to the cross, it was nailed to the cross. So you don't have to feel that way. I took it and I nailed it. So you could be free from your feelings. So you could overcome them. So you could gain a victory. And you wouldn't have to walk through your life You know, feeling that way, feeling jaded or jilted or used and abused and betrayed, God can heal it all. And you will feel that healing and that restoration. And you'll have a season where you're doing great, but the enemy will come with one little Something. And here it comes again. See, we pray and we forgive and we do forget for a moment, for a time, but then here it comes again. Church, let me tell you something. You have to constantly slap that down. Constantly slap that down. Constantly put that down. So it's useless to ask for a search and remain locked to God. You have to be open to God. Number one. And if the end time warning is be not deceived, Or that the love of many because of lawlessness would wax cold. Or the godlessness and the evil imagination and covetousness would run rampant in the day and time that we're living in. Our end time evidences. And the apostasy which is the final indicator. What manner of person ought we to be? And all righteousness and holiness and obedience an openness to God. Yes, our worship is to be fervent, but our desire, our openness to allow God deep access and search us, how important is that? I can tell you it's of utmost importance, because people come and worship a God. They do not allow to come internally and change them. It happens, it happens. God is trying to, listen to me, church. Listen to your pastor. The Lord is coming back. We need to be ready. And we need to say, God, whatever. Search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. That bondage of sin that's deep, that holds me down. See if there be any. Lord, lead me in the everlasting way. Teach me. Show me. Reveal me. Because I'm going to tell you something. You will not hustle, God. When we stand before him, this ought to shake you into reality. Listen. It should shake you into reality that there are going to be those on that day that are going to say i cast out devils in your name i prophesied in your name i gave the biggest offering in the church i taught sunday school i was a singer i was a preacher i was i i gave it all and he's going to say i never knew you. Folks, let me tell you something. Don't stand before God on that great and final day and let the devil have played a fool, played, made you play the fool. Make sure. Make sure. And if David said, search me, O God, and what a mighty man of God he was. The very, the very progenitor of Progenitor, rather, of the the kingdom of Christ. I know it's God Almighty, but he was the one that God said from your lineage. He's the son of David. Jesus was the son of David. The very one that God chose said, search me, O God. The apostle Paul said that I may know him. I said, Lord, if anybody knew you, Paul knew you. He said, Paul knew, just like we all must know, that the enemy is not going to quit trying to pull us away. That's why he said, abide in me, and I will abide in you. You cannot do anything or produce anything detached from that vine. Amen. He is the vine, you are the branch. Let the very life of God come through you and from you. But let God go down deep inside because it doesn't matter what people see on the external testimony. It's important. But down deep inside at the end of the day, all of those things aren't going to matter. What's going to matter is, did I know him? Did he know me? Did he have access to every area of my life? That's that's all I want. And folks, I don't preach or pastor for any other reason, but because I love you, folks. I love God and I love you. And I pray and I said, Lord, you want me to preach that again? He said, keep preaching it till I'm till I tell you to move on. You stay there. You stay there. Cause see, we get down there, and I, I got weeds in my backyard and I'll pull on some and they come up real easy. Then there's some you go over and you go <clears throat> and you pull the tops off but you got a little sprig there. You think wow that's a root. It's a root and that root has to be rooted up. That's the only place you're ever going to have freedom, clearing, peace. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer?